Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the number one sports cast in the Midwest region of Southwest Southeast Detroit. Um, I guess I'm not really in Southeast Detroit anymore, so I shouldn't say that. Uh, I was just in a habit of that from where I grew up. Anyways, the name of this podcast is Teaming Up with C&B. Another great episode filled with a lot of fun football talk. Should be a good one. First, I'll say hi to my co-host, Laddie. What's going on, man? Um, I mean, I, not really too much. Just kind of work, uh, getting ready to kind of end out the year. But I think you mentioned fun one. I This is one of the more anticipated episodes I've had in a very long time, just given what happened with college. We'll get into it, obviously. Everyone knows what it is. Everyone's been talking about it. But outside of that, just kind of same old gym, work, life, hanging out with friends. What about you? How have you been? I've been good, man. Uh, for those who know, I'm in school. So that's uh, the month of December usually means finals. So I've been kind of um, doing that, doing a little bit of work as well. Uh, and that's been kind of my life the last, I guess, week and a half. So um, I'm not going to bore anyone with the details of that when we have so many good topics to get to today. Uh, so let's get right into it. Um, I, we're going to start with college as we always do. It's going to be a little different. We're not going to do a fraud or anybody, anything like that. Uh, we're going to go through each individual conference championship game, uh, give some thoughts, and then ultimately I'm sure a good deal of the time will be spent on the decision the committee made yesterday at noon 50. Uh, I thought it'd be noon, but it was at noon 50. Yeah, that that's also another thing that was annoying is they said, oh, yeah, tune in at noon. And it's like kind of like the Heisman Trophy. Where it's like nobody cares about the five people leading, like holding our hand for 45 minutes. Tell us who made it and I can turn the TV off. Right. But uh, So starting with Friday night, the first game of the weekend, uh, the Pac-12 championship, Washington takes a big first half lead, ends up beating Oregon. Uh, they, of course, make the playoffs because of it. Oregon's season ends at 11-2. and two. There are only two losses to Washington, and they're out. And Bo Nix is out of the Heisman race, in my opinion, but that's, that's, a, that's a story we can get into for another day, maybe in another topic, uh, although we'll get to the uh, announcement just made uh, regarding the Heisman Trophy. Um, thoughts on the Pac-12 championship off the hop? So... This game, obviously, we're Midwest. I mean, what am I saying, Midwest? I mean, we grew up in Michigan, so it's not really. It probably didn't hit the same for us as it did for other people. But that was the last the last ever Pac-12 game. As yeah, well. kind of, kind of forgot that. Uh, yeah. A little, kind of, a little sad. You had, I don't know if you saw the picture of all of the Pac-12 mascots that were on the field together at the same time. Kind of, no. kind of hit a little hit, hit no. a little differently. But no, the the game for me, it was the game of the weekend. Um. And it honestly started before the game started. Um, the entire week, every single person with a pulse, and th- that I don't mean pulse as in like normally when I mean anyone who's good. I mean any human being was like, they thought it was a formality. I did yeah. not see a single person on planet Earth say, I mean, other than me and you, because I know we're locks that we love this Washington team. Or at least yeah. I do. And we I kind do, of yeah. been on the bandwagon for a while, but not a single team or not a single person, not a single analyst, not a single anyone gave Washington a shot. It was a formality that Oregon was going. They were a 10 point favorite, which I understand Washington kind of limped home over the last week or the last month of the season, whereas Oregon was playing great, but 10 point favorite 
that's outrageous in my opinion. And it was outrageous to the Washington players because they knew what was going on. That was a chip on the shoulder. And then they got out to that quick lead, the, the, the quick 10, nothing. I mean, could have had a really good shot of maybe keeping it kind of a blowout. They're up 20 to three. And then Bo Nix kind of does that classic bang, bang on either side of the half and you blink and it's 20 to 17. But it was, I mean, Washington was the better team. They came out with something to prove. They came out with something to play for, which you maybe, I don't want to say you don't always see because it is a conference title game, but they, the rest of America gave Washington ammunition to go beat Oregon and they took it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was an interesting battle between quarterbacks. Both of them kind of had some uncharacteristic interceptions. Michael Penix just kind of lofting one up there when he was getting pressured as the pockets collapsing. And then the Bo Nix one was hilarious because I genuinely believe he thought that defender was on the, was on the bench. I I don't think he knew he was part of the play. If I don't know if you saw it, but it was, it was, it, it was insane. Yeah. I, I, my thought, I know I kind of said Bo Nix played his way out of the Heisman. I don't necessarily actually, the more I think about it, think that's the case. I think both guys were, uh good but not like they weren't Heisman moment games and the stat lines kind of showed that I think Phoenix threw for over 300 yards but he didn't throw for a touchdown uh Bo Nix was I mean kind of got off to a slow start but willed his way back into the game I think he had a pedestrian stat line with the interception I believe barely over 200 yards uh I don't know. To me, it's Washington's defense, I think, was is something that surprised me in this game. They've gotten better over the last, I don't know, four to six weeks. They look much better. They look competent, which hasn't been necessarily the case from teams coming out of the big Pac-12 in terms of playoff opportunities. So I'm curious to see what that looks like. Obviously, they're going to have a matchup with a high-powered offense uh, that seems to be hot in itself. But yeah, it was kind of the game of the weekend. I agree that Washington was heavily slept on, especially I don't really understand, and I understand Oregon had seemingly been playing the best kind of football, and Washington had been squeaking by, it seemed like, for the last, I don't know, three weeks, four weeks, it seems like. But 10 points at a neutral site conference championship game, when you not only – well. Yeah, you might be playing against the Heisman Trophy contender, but you have a Heisman Trophy contender yourself playing quarterback for you. You have Odunze. You have tons of talent. You've already beat this team. Uh, I was a little surprised by the number. I, Like you said, I was like everyone else in America. I thought Oregon was going to win. I thought Oregon was honestly the best team in the country going into this weekend. And I think I took a little bit of the media trap bait in that. And uh, now I think... You know, the Pac-12 was great this year in its final season, and it's a deserving playoff team, uh, especially since Washington is undefeated. Yeah, um, interesting. I guess I might have been by myself. I didn't think Oregon was – I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I said, oh, Washington's a lock to win it, but I was never going to sit here and buy the – I watched him play the first time. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I was somewhere in between, I think, this, like – 10 point formality. I thought that was super high. Cause I, I have been kind of a jock sniffer with this Washington team and Penix, all, Phoenix, Penix, however you want to say it all year. Uh, I just thought like, I don't know. I thought maybe Washington was a lock to cover, but I thought Oregon was going to win the game. I, I, I kind of fell into that majority camp. 
And the last thing I'll mention, and uh, I get, I think this might maybe played into the first game, was uh, a healthy Jalen McMillan. That is something yeah. that Washington. I mean, we talk about how Washington was kind of squeaking by. That a healthy Jalen McMillan is something that they didn't have since the first quarter of the Oregon game. Yeah. So he, I mean, he shows up, leads them in receptions and yards. I mean, he was just kind of he was that difference maker in the slot. Um, but yeah, Washington's going to the playoff. You mentioned they're going to play Texas. Um, I think that's anybody's game. It's a little unfortunate that that, that Washington is the two seed, has to travel to Louisiana, mm. play Texas. But yeah. what are you going to do? Someone had to get someone had to get screwed, and I guess you're not going to screw over Michigan. Yeah, you're not you're, you're not you're not going to screw over the one seed. But a little unfortunate there. But I mean, this Washington team has shown they can play with anybody. You mentioned the defense that that pl- that probably plays a little bit better than most people want to give it credit for. We've talked about the receivers all. They run the ball. Well. They ran for 170 yards in that game. They yeah. run the ball so well. Dylan so jo- Dylan Johnson is he's kind of been I don't I don't I don't want to say unsung hero, but he is the thing that no one's talked about. It's been Michael Penix in the first round receiver and the other NFL receiver and the Heisman Heisman quarterback and all this, and then you look and. Dylan Johnson's kind of carried that team for the last month and yeah. good for him. So I'm super excited to watch him. They'll be the team that I root for in the title. And I guess we can kind of get to a, a, a college football playoff preview at a later date, but that that's what I got for the PAC 12. Yeah. So moving on to the, I guess the next game, chronologically speaking, as far as the time went this weekend, uh, the big 12 championship, um, Texas, wins to go 12 and one on the season they beat oklahoma state 49 to 21 quinn ewers shines to say the least four touchdowns and i believe over 400 passing yards in the first half or something along those lines over 300 in the first half something ridiculous like that i know we had the touchdowns i don't know about the yards uh regardless this game was net was maybe close for a second in the first quarter if that uh, and then Texas just seemed like an offensive juggernaut that Oklahoma State had no chance at stopping. It looked like a Big 12 defense um, for Oklahoma State. We'll just say that. And Texas leaves the Big 12 with a bang. It's their first time winning the conference in, I believe, something like 15 years or something like that, 13 years. Oh, nine, whenever, however long oh, nine. I was. I'm not good at math. 14, but... yeah. I said the two two numbers in between the actual <laughs> Um. So good for them, I guess. They're going to go to the SEC, and we'll see how they fare moving forward in the new college football that is next year. Um, is the Texas offense legit? I think so. I mean, just kind of quickly gloss over the game because there wasn't too much about this. They were clearly the better team. They knew it. Everyone knew it. And I believe that they also did know that kind of like OSU in 2014, they I, I believe they realized they might style need to some style points up yep. because, as we know, uh, college football is a beauty pageant. It is not statistics. And it's it, the only thing I'll say is it's unfortunate that this wasn't a Red River uh, rematch because yep. I think that would have been better. I think Oklahoma's a better team. And I, I'm, I'm not too versed on what exactly this is uh, this is going to be, but I did see some fans claiming that referees and conservative play calling killed Oklahoma's shot at the, uh, at the, um, at the Big 12 title game. Again, I don't don't really remember what happened in Bedlam. I should because I know we talked about it, but it all worked out for Texas. But wouldn't you, if you were Texas, wouldn't you have wanted Oklahoma? You because you essentially avenge your loss in that 
scenario. That, that also, yeah, that also is an interesting kind of point is you, you could have sat there and kind of done what Oregon wasn't able to do. And you could show to the committee, hey, look, the only team that's been able to beat us, well, we just showed you maybe that wasn't a fluke. They're not better than we us anymore. That we can beat them when we yeah. need to. So that's a valid point. But in the end, it didn't matter. Um, yeah. I don't know. I haven't watched a ton of this Texas team since, like, I don't. I feel like I don't end up watching a ton of Big 12 games, um, especially now with all the random teams in the conference and now that Oklahoma and Texas are gone. So I don't think I've really actually sat down and watched them play since the Oklahoma game in Bedlam. Um, obviously, Quinn Ewers got hurt there for a while, and they struggled a little bit, it seemed like, maybe not as far as – you know, blowing teams out that they should have blown them out. Um, but they survived that. Quinn Ewers looks great. I, I He's going to come back next year and be a legit Heisman candidate for sure. Um, yeah, I, 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 as far as Texas, I think they're the least intimidating team of the four in the playoff. With that said, they have a lot of weapons on offense. They can score. Um, will it hold up against what I said earlier is a good Washington defense? Maybe we break that down a little more once the games are – we're a little closer to January 1st, which, by the way, I hate that they're not doing them on New Year's Eve again. Why is it New Year's Day? I think because New Year's Eve falls on a Sunday. If I looked at the calendar, and they're just not going to even try to mess with that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I don't really have too much more to say about that. Uh, to the 3.30 game, Georgia-Bama – um, the last ever SEC game on CBS. Um, they had a nice little video tribute. They brought back Uncle Vern, and that was kind of a nice touch as the conference heads to the to ESPN and CBS comes to the Big Ten. Um, Alabama. I'll say started, one thing about yeah. CBS and SEC. Those two old farts that are like the classic like announcers for them. I can't remember their names right now. Vern Lundquist and Brad Nessler or Gary Danielson. The guys that were doing the game to, on Saturday. Uh, They're I just, washed. Well, it's probably Nestler and Danielson. Because they're washed, annoying, and like I don't even are so out of touch with it sometimes. And I know that's going to be a hot take because there I do have some nostalgia myself with them. I can only imagine that other college football fans do. But what that was my first, I guess, old man barking at a tree take of the day is that like they were just so I just felt like they were so out of touch with a lot of the things they were saying it just didn't even make sense to what was going on in the field but irregardless of the point of the game Georgia loses for the first time in 30 games and that excludes them from the playoff 27 24 yep. Alabama gets it done similar I think to the Washington Oregon game Alabama jumps out to a lead and that's just kind of plays, uh, I don't want to say conservative, because Georgia obviously comes back, has a lead, um, similar to what Oregon did, and then is able to kind of fight off the complete takeover in the second half um, to win the game. Uh, I don't know. It felt like Georgia, to me, was just trying to – felt like Kirby Smart played like he was afraid of Nick Saban. Again. Uh, it was a lot of conservative calls early on, not letting Carson Beck kind of be Carson Beck. It felt like they were trying to force the ball to Brock Bowers at times instead of just maybe you're Georgia, you've got five stars on others, other other sides of the field, even though Brock Bowers is great. And, yeah, you got to get Brock Bowers' touches, but you can't force stuff to him either that's just going to disrupt the flow and not and work counterintuitive to the offense. 
so that's my thoughts on Georgia. As far as Alabama, I mean, is this Nick Saban's best coaching job or what? Yeah. Um, want to listen to an episode we did probably about late August previewing this college football season. And Mr. Vladimir. I said, said they were dead. The Alabama team was done. Nick Saban was done. This Alabama team, you're never going to hear from again. Saban's time is over. And what did I say week after week after week? This is not the Alabama team of old. They're just going to lose that game to Texas, and they're going to scrap their way to these one touchdown, you know, fourth and tw- fourth and goal from the 30, touchdown on the last play of the game wins, and they're going to end up 12-1. and one. And right there at the end of the season, what did they do? Exactly that. So round of applause to me. Perfect take on Alabama all season. I had them in the playoffs. I said every week they were going to do this, and they do it again when it mattered most in the SEC championship. Can I just say that some of the points I did make, though, at the time were correct. They don't have first-round receivers. They're doing it with this quarterback who's like, can he throw, can he not throw? I absolutely eat my words. You're absolutely correct. I thought they were dead. But some of the points I made were valid. And like you say, coaching job, Nick Saban just found a way around it. And he's sensational. Credit to Jalen Milrow. Great turnaround from a kid who couldn't hit water out of a boat in September. Um, It's great. I mean, to talk, obviously, we're not here to uh, kind of glaze over Alabama's season. We're here to talk about the game itself. I, I felt it was weird because both teams scored 24 plus, which like is a decent outing maybe in the NFL standards maybe not by college standards because you have more high part offenses but it felt sloppy um Bowers and McConkey for Georgia were not a hundred percent Alabama did not have Jace McClellan it just it felt like I, I I guess I look at it and I don't understand how the teams got to 27 and 24 points because I don't remember there being that many touchdowns um what Alabama did have is this bowling ball named Roy Dell Williams. He just kind of took over and controlled the game. It was the classic first and 10, second and six, third and two repeat. It yeah. was, there's nothing they could do about him. He was just forward every single time. And you kind of, I think as the game went on, George defense gets wary and Bama just kind of started to maybe lean on him like a heavyweight fighter, like a Tyson Fury usually does in his fights. But yeah, um, this just kind of, again, reminds me of a Bama team from a decade ago. Running the football, yeah. great defense, a quarterback which can win games for you, but you're not gonna, he's not Bryce Young. I'm not going to sit here and say Mac Jones, but Mac Jones in college was sensational. He's not too uh, – it's just – it's a different type of – It's a di- I mean, not even a different type. It's just – it's going back to his roots. Yeah, and that's a very good point. It's really cool to watch, and I was talking about this with my dad. For the first time, I think, ever, you can kind of sympathize with an Alabama team. Like Usually they're just that like titan that comes across and stomps on ants. This team had to scratch and claw, and like, I understand the logo is still the same. The logo is that of the greatest college football program in history, but I, I can sympathize with this team. Yeah, it, I mean, it's it's much easier to sympathize with the team that had to beat the number one team in the country to get in um, and moved up four slots in the last day of the season to get in. Um, and again, I'm going to go back to the point I made. They found ways to be gritty all season. 
They only beat AM by a touchdown. They only beat Ole Miss by a touchdown. They it took the miracle play against Auburn to beat a bad Auburn team. Yeah, I guess you could say they're kind of the boys of some the boys of the fall type vibe. Like after that bad loss uh that they had to Texas early on in the season at home. Uh it'll be interesting. They're in such an interesting matchup with Michigan. I was gonna I will say this about Alabama going in and they're Obviously, the fourth playoff team is uh, most of that being attested to them being, quote-unquote, the hottest team in the league. I, I, I don't know. It's whatever, nine or ten straight they've won now. But have they really – are they the hottest team in the league? They were one-fourth and 30 play away from not even being in this thing. Yeah, not no, I mean – in this conversation. I think up until this past weekend, everyone would have said Oregon's the hottest team in America. And – now it's like, well, I don't know what to say because Michigan kind of limped, I don't say limped home because like they finally started playing real teams and they didn't have everyone else's signs anymore, so it was a little harder to actually play football. Yeah. But Michigan limped home. Washington, we mentioned, limped home. I mean, Texas has played good, but who they really played? I mean. They've kind of limped home too, though. I mean, they had that whole lull in the season without Ewers. Yeah, no, again, I don't I don't think, like, in terms of a hottest team, sure, I'd say they're coming off the best win of the year. You, you knock off Al, you're, you know, you knock off Georgia for the first time, yeah, and like you said 30 yeah. games. They're, Georgia's last loss was the 2021 SEC title game. So, like, if you do that, and you're 12-1, and one, and you have won 13 straight, I, I, I mean, I'd call them the hottest team, but like you say, there, there were games they struggled, that Auburn game. Now, then again, the, the Iron Bowl's different. I mean, we Auburn. It doesn't matter how bad they are, or how good Alabama is, or how good the vice versas are. That those games are always close. So I don't want to take too much away from them for what they did, but it still was a miracle play. I don't know. I just I, I think we'll get we'll get into the matchups later. Um, I, I I I I don't have much more to say right now. I, I'd rather save it for a for a different episode. Uh, then we'll get into the snooze fest that was the night uh, games. You could have fallen asleep at 7.30 and probably not missed much, folks. Um, I'll start with the Big Ten Championship. Michigan wins 26 to nothing. Not really any surprises there. Michigan's offense struggled against – I'll give them their credit. It's a good Iowa defense. Uh, they're good on that side of the ball. They are strictly incompetent on the other, uh, and they showed it. Just two teams that I think you you saw what, like, you saw a good matchup between two good, like a solid offense against a solid defense on one side of the ball, and that played out and played exactly how we might have thought it would have if two good kind of defense-offense matchup goes hand-in-hand. Maybe Michigan's offense struggled and lost that battle for a lot of the game. But on the other side of the ball, it was just a, a very talented defense against a very not talented, incompetent, and horrific offense in Iowa. Uh, they got fast midfield like once, I think, in the entire game. So I don't know if you have anything even to add. It's kind of what we expected. Maybe Michigan struggled a little bit more on offense than we expected, but that's about it. I guess the only thing I'll say is I think you did a little too much of a deep dive here. I wrote about eight words. Not much to say here. Exactly what we thought would happen. Move on. Yeah, yeah that, that game was useless. The, the big, as always, the Big Ten title game was decided when they played LSU. 
Yep. Uh, and a game that ended up being useless as far as its outlook on the uh, college football scope, the ACC championship. Florida in a rainy, gutsy effort that was one of the worst football games I've stayed up and watched four quarters of. Florida State beats Louisville 16-6. Their true freshman third-string quarterback was not good. He was gritty, I guess. Florida State's defense played like a playoff team. That's really the only thing I wrote down. That was really the only thing to note. A, A fairly solid Louisville offense that has scored points consistently all year against you know, bad everybody they played essentially. Yeah, what what whatever you want to call the teams they play, but everybody they played. That defense was elite. It was really good. Uh, the offense just simply really, really struggled. And I think that was their downfall in this season. Yeah, I mean, I'll just say FSU, even not even like Texas, even more so than Texas with the injury to Jordan Travis. They needed style points, style points. in the Florida game. They needed style points in the Louisville game. They got style points in none of those games. And honestly, we're about to get into this. I really wish Louisville had did a favor to America and to everyone and just beat them. But Louisville sucks. And we got the nightmare scenario. And yeah. it's been pandemonium since then. Yeah, so the nightmare scenario played out, obviously, with Florida State winning and Alabama also winning. Uh, So the playoff was decided yesterday at noon 50. The four teams are number one team in the country. Feels weird saying that. I don't like that I'm smiling saying that. The Michigan Wolverines. The Michigan Wolverines are the number one team in the country. Number two, the Huskies of Washington University. Number three, the Texas Longhorns. And in the fourth spot, the Alabama Crimson Tide. The two teams, I think, that you are obviously fifth and sixth were Florida State and Georgia, respectively. Um, the biggest controversy, and I think that's kind of where you dive right into it, is Florida State becomes the first team in the playoff football, playoff football, college football playoff era to go undefeated conference champion and not make the playoffs. Did they get it right? From the perspective of we're going to get better matchups, yes. From the perspective of I've always been a proponent of the games have to matter. I've always been a proponent of there's a reason why we play and there's a reason why Vegas doesn't decide these things. There's a reason why we don't just let 24-7 tell us who the most talented teams in America are, and then we just skip to December and those four teams play each other. There's a reason why I'll, There's a reason why you don't play games on paper, because you have to actually play the games. And I it it, it it's unfortunate for – unfortunate is an understatement. It sucks for FSU. They genuinely did absolutely everything, everything. they were supposed to do. Because, like – you know what you know we've you know what we've heard in the past your non-conference schedule is bad they nope. scheduled LSU and they beat them by 30 oh but you have a loss don't have a loss your conference didn't have a championship game ours does and we won it against I, a top, against a ranked team our team better than that Texas beat better than Michigan beat it's yeah no it's it's stupid from, from a from a deserving perspective. Yeah, now again, okay. I've been going back and forth all day on how I feel about this because 
as a fan, are we going to get a is Michigan Alabama a better matchup than Michigan Florida State? It is. It is. But Alabama lost. They they hey, you know what? I'll give credit to Alabama. They did what SEC teams normally don't do. They schedule an out of conference game. Good for them. But they lost it. And I mean, I, I don't I don't even know what to say. It's it's so tough, man. Yeah, I think here here's here's what I'll say. Two things are allowed to be true. And I think this is where a lot of people, and I think both of both you and I stand, is you're allowed to say they got it wrong in the fact that the games matter. A 13 and 0 Power Five conference champion is allowed. It should be in the playoffs. Florida State got screwed. They have a right to be pissed. This is a bad, bad decision. While also admitting that the four best teams are in the playoffs, right? Well, I mean, I could relative the Georgia thing, you whatever. Well, I I mean, I'll still throw my ring in the hat for Ohio State. Yeah. Let let, hold on, hold on a second. Ohio State would be twelve and one too if they played in the SEC or the Big Ten West. It's not Ohio State's fault that they had to play Michigan in the regular season. They didn't have to play Alabama in the title game the way Georgia did. So I'm not. But I don't think that changes how it shook out at all. Like no, what I'm just saying is discarding Ohio State for having a loss to Michigan, but not discarding Georgia for having a loss to Alabama is stupid to me. Just because that loss came one week later. Again. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see. That's that. that, That's the point I'm making. Yeah. Um. Then my my next hypothetical that I that I conspiracy that I ran through uh, is that in any other prior year, we would talk about the terrible precedent that this sets, that this opens up a can of worms into situations and computer hypotheticals and 12 and one teams and conference champion teams. And who really cares at the end of the day? That's the precedent sense is that we're going to sense to put the four best teams in regardless of what you did on the field. However, the committee doesn't have to face the noise of that precedent because this is no longer a thing after this year. Yeah. And that precedent is moot. A, a power five undefeated team will never again, not make the playoffs. Florida state is the only one that ever has or ever will be that team under this precedent. And I think that has to play a factor in that they can get away with this moving forward and saying that this is a freak scenario that will never apply again because we now have a 12-team playoff. Yes, and I, I agree with it. I Again, I still don't like playoff expansion. Um, this is the that's first a, That's time. a conversation for another day because I, I like it. I mean, yeah, it's it's the first time in 10 years there's actually been more than five teams that are actually worthy of getting in. So it, it's unfortunate that'll get the recency bias. But the other thing I want to say with um, the committee always saying, oh, we need the four best teams, they haven't always done that. Because no. if it was about the four best teams, Cincinnati would have never been. Cincinnati you wouldn't have never been. the last Washington. Yeah, I mean, Notre Dame teams, those, those they probably would not have been in it if it was about the four best. I mean – so that's the other thing that's a little disappointing is they sit here and they talk about four best every single time, but in the past it's been about resumes. And and the unfortunate thing is you you talk about precedents and flip flopping. 
the committee has and always will be a reality TV show. They they like yeah. matchups that create money. They like locations that create money. That's why the one seeds get preferences, and that's why certain teams get moved around certain ways so that you don't have rematches or you don't have post match. The committee's always done that. Like they've always created almost new. It's a, it was a, every single year they created new criteria to put whoever they wanted in and said, "Well, that's what happens now." And next year it won't matter, and because the new thing will matter. And it's annoying that it does it like that. It's all it's annoying that thirteen people kind of decide the fate of an entire sport. Um, I've I've heard people kind of have different um, ideas where sure a committee is good of part of they can be a variable in the equation because the committee does see things that the computer doesn't because the computer just sees statistics, but. Maybe going forward, if it stays a subjective playoff, maybe someone decides to say, you know what? It's not going to be 13 people who decide it. It's going to be 13 people decide it. The BCS decides it. The coaches decide it. The AP decides it. We put all that together, come up with some consensus top 12, and then we go forward. You know how hard – I think that's even harder to do, though, to get that – once you open up the door to get more people involved, how are you going to get a consensus answer? You can't get people to agree on who they want for like what a family, what they want for dinner. Yeah, But I guess like, I guess like, when I say consensus, I'm not saying it's got to be unanimous. I just mean that you have more variables. Like if you add the coaches, the AP, all this, and, and let's say each one of the four things I just made uh, kind of listed out, if each one of them counts for 25% of the final rankings, you're at least nullifying the effect that 13 people can have. It's like a checks and balances thing. Okay. It's, it's not 13 people decide for everyone. It's not the computer decides for everyone. It's a combination of all of that. They put together their metrics, things that we've used in the past, things that we know are somewhat valuable, at least and somewhat accurate. And all of that gets put together to try and get some form of again, consensus on best scenes. But the other thing I'll say is it doesn't even fucking matter anymore because when we're right. arguing next year about Oh my God! Is ten and two Penn State supposed to be? And no one cares. Ten and two Penn State's going to lose to the first team they play. And Liberty or Tulane—that doesn't matter either because they suck, and they're only getting this in- invite because they. I'm sure the committee just didn't want to hear people crying about UCF situations again. And and it doesn't it doesn't matter. It's it's unfortunate that it came down to this. I guess in a sense it's kind of cool because now you're just going to be complaining about losers as opposed to complaining about winners it's gonna be like, dude this missouri team that can't actually beat anyone good they should have been in it, it's annoying man well the argument it's gonna the the new argument is uh for why you're not in is well you shouldn't have lost those games exactly it's just what you can't say right now to florida state is the toughest equation you could always say oh you shouldn't have lost it like you shouldn't have gone nine and three. You should have gone eleven and one. Like you can always say that, but you can't. It's the it's the absolute opposite and super contrary to everything you've ever been told in college football to win every game and be told no. Yeah, no, and again, this this is also a topic for a later time because we're talking about future playoffs, not even this playoff anymore. Shit, um, it is what it is. Um, like I said, from a fan perspective. Am I happy Alabama's in? Yes, it'll create better matchups. I honestly, this is probably the first time that I can remember in my life that there are four teams 
where I can make a genuine case that each of them can win a national title. Yeah, I was going to say the exact same we've thing. We've never had that. So cool. And we talk about styles making fights. I think three of the teams are kind of similar. I think Washington's kind of your outlier. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, again, I actually be- think I actually think the two teams that are playing each other both games are the are more similar to each other than the other two. If that makes sense. I feel like Texas kind of mirrors Michigan, Alabama, maybe at a slightly less talented level with just like, Hey, we like running the ball, but I think that's the most explosive offense between the three of them with Queen Ewers. I think it's maybe not the best overall, but the most explosive. The only, the only argument again, I don't want to get too far. The only argument I make is it's easy to look explosive against teams who can't tackle. Um, I watched Oklahoma state try and play defense and tackling is optional. Looked like the, it looked like the New Orleans Saints for the first four minutes of the Lions game, which well, we'll get into that. Oklahoma State also lost to BYU by like 30. So Case in point, the, the Big 12 doesn't do anything. <laughs> but no, that that's fair. I mean, we'll have an episode here before the new year, and we'll talk about it, the teams, what they did, what they do, how they have a shot to win, how they don't have a shot to win. You know, we'll get into it. But I'll say this. If I'm Florida State, if I win that Peach Bowl – against Georgia, I like that is pandemonium for the for the uh the playoff committee and anyone out there. If I'm a Florida State fan, I'm buying every t-shirt that says I'm a national championship because there are uh, I'll argue that they they deserve it just as much as whoever wins it. I'll agree that one as well. However, I mean what if they just didn't show up? <laughs> what if like day of they just like told other fans don't even go? Alabama's going to play against nobody, or Georgia's playing against nobody. We're going to stay home. Yeah. I mean, the committee, told, hey, the committee told them games don't matter. Yeah. Maybe maybe they'll get their first loss. That matters. I don't know. Um, yeah, so that's, that, like you said, we'll, we'll talk more about the actual games. Um, bowl game, big, the, eh, not every bowl game. No, we're not talking about the Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl. Uh, but the playoff games and maybe the New Year's Six games here in the next couple of weeks. Let's move forward to our second topic today, the Big Bad NFL, the boys on Sunday. Uh, we're going to do a typical run through our segments like we always do with the NFL. Uh, so off the hop, your – I don't know. What do we usually start with? Why am I not thinking of this? I don't know. Throw Close your eyes, throw a dart at a magical dartboard. And tell Fraud of the week. With. Fraud of the week. The Chargers and Patriots game. Um, listen, I always talk about winning is winning, and the NFL is hard to win, especially on the road, so I'll give the Chargers their credit. I don't care how bad the Patriots team is. You still went out there and you won. You extended your season because if they would have lost that, it would have been just all hell breaks loose and they'd have been done. Um, but, it, I mean, it was an ugly, ugly game. And I was, so it's weird because it seemed like it was raining – Everywhere in the eastern part of the United States, it was raining yeah. in Michigan, it was raining in Boston, it was raining in New York, it was raining in Washington, Philly. Philly. It was, I mean, it was raining everywhere, it was outrageous. Um, but so yeah, sloppy game. Uh, I'll talk about Quentin Johnson, who while he oh had, boy. yeah, I mean, he had the best game of his rookie career. That's not hard because that's probably the first game he's actually caught a pass in, and it only and it took him a couple of tries. I am referencing that. Ugly, ugly yeah, job where he kind of played hot potato with it for five yards. Um, and just ran out of bounds. Yeah, I mean, the other thing I'll say, though, uh, that doesn't necessarily come from this is 
Although I'm against the decision that this is a thing, thank God flexing Monday night football games is a thing now. I don't think it should be, but thank God I don't have to watch the Chiefs-Patriots play each other next week. Is that what it was supposed to be? Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of funny. Actually, Uh, sorry, just while we're at it, also a fraud, the concept that flexing Monday night games exists is stupid to me because I know it doesn't matter, it's never mattered. What are you telling the fans? Hey, you bought tickets to this game three months in advance. Hot psyched eight days before it's supposed to happen. It's on a Sunday now. Go go fuck yourself. I hate that. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I know the Lions game in uh, two weeks against the Broncos just got flexed from a Sunday to a Saturday. Yep. Um, so it's like, I, I guess that works a little worse, especially on a Monday. I don't know, but like a month. To me, if you're already taking Monday off for a Monday night game, the presumption is you're going to be there Sunday or you don't need to be somewhere Monday because, I don't know, maybe maybe I'm, I'm really playing devil's advocate. No, I, I, yeah, I don't want to go too far into it. I just I – don't, I don't like the concept of flexing Monday night games specifically. If you want to flex a Sunday night game into Sunday, so be yeah. it. I just don't like the message you send to fans when you start changing days for people. Who days, okay. When you put people who book tickets months in advance, I, I just don't like that. Yeah, my only comment is the Chargers. I said this, I think, two weeks ago. It's just who that they're not uh, frauds or underperforming or whatever. They're just that's the Chargers. That's at this they point. are. <laughs> it's fair. just who they are. Fair. Your fraud of the week. My fraud of the week is um, I have two, but I really want to. Shit, I like both of them. I'm going to say them both. My first one is the Steelers. Their season is fucking over. If they make the playoffs and end up being one of those wild card teams, I think we talked about the, the college football playoff on are we we're happy that Alabama, we get to see a good matchup with Alabama. If I have to see the Steelers play in a playoff game, that's not the matchup I wanted. They're the Florida State of the NFL. I do not <laughs> want to see the Steelers play a playoff game. I do not want to watch Najee Harris run backwards against I don't who would be the who would be the t- theoretical two or three seed in that situation I don't know Baltimore or Miami I don't want to watch that I love it uh, so they're <laughs> one of my frauds they lose to the Cardinals which that in itself is a fraud loss they move somehow still are seven and five but anyways I digress I love my it. other one is Robert Sala who. Started Trevor Simeon this week. They got a whole eight points, uh, which I guess is an improvement. It's to the point now where I believe he said, like, yeah, we're, like, looking for that spark plug. Like, Zach's always available. I think implying that bringing back Zach Wilson would be a spark plug for his offense. That's pathetic. They're done. He's got to go. If I'm Aaron Rodgers, I know his practice window open. Forget about it. This team is done. They should be looking for a high draft pick. They lose yeah, their. He, yeah, yeah, they're 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 not going to activate Rodgers if they weren't in playoff contention. They were never going to do that. And they open the window, they'll close it. The the solid thing specifically is interesting because I think you actually make a really good point where it's like this is now year three. You were there when you drafted Zach Wilson. That's on you. You didn't do your homework, and you don't get to continue playing hot potato with quarterbacks to try and save your job. Yeah. And I understand Robert Sala is not the GM, but Robert Sala should still have an input. 
Robert Sala has had the worst offensive line in football three years in a row. No one yeah. of these quarterbacks keep dying or can't yeah. play well. You want me – like, these stat lines are just unbelievable. Trevor Simeon's QBR yesterday was 1.8. I didn't know it went that low. He was 5 for 14 with 60 for 60 yards. That That's pretty – that you could put a helmet on either of us and we might – be okay with like throwing some screen passes and doing better than that. Um yeah, I'm that's truly, pathetic. Yeah, I'm truly convinced I could do better than that. That that's pathetic. Um surprise of the week. I'll let you go first. Uh my surprise of the week is the Rams. They win three straight. Um they make a very good defense who I knew no um wasn't necessarily at their healthiest in Cleveland's uh, and they made him look pretty silly. 36 points. Stafford throws that pretty ball still. He was swinging it around the yard. They are right there at 6-6 six and six with a number of other teams at this point for that final playoff spot. Um, a team, I think a couple weeks ago, I said they're just bad. I think they might actually be decent. Turns out Sean McVay is a very good play caller and a very good coach, and Matthew Stafford still can sling it like he does. Um so my surprise of the week is that they're back and they are in contention, just like any of these other teams that are heating up here in the NFC, it feels like. Yeah, uh, I chose a different heating up team in the NFC. I have Jordan Love in the Packers, yeah. and I think they go hand in hand because I was incredibly critical of Jordan Love throughout the first couple years of his career, throughout the first couple months of this season, and... It wasn't it was no longer just a hey, you got to play against a Mickey Mouse defense in Detroit. Kansas City's got a real defense. Right. And p- possessions, I know possessions were at a premium. He only punted once. That's pretty good. So, 25 to 36, 270 yards and three touchdowns. It's no, uh, Jordan Love is I, the Packers can't keep getting away with this. Yes. Yes. Like he looks like a legitimate team or look, Jim, he looked like a legitimate player. That team is going to get healthy. I mean, I don't know if you see if you saw their schedule to end the season. Yeah, it's a joke. I mean, it goes, I want to say they play the Giants next week, then it's the Buccaneers, then it's the Panthers, then it's the Vikings, then it's the Bears. I yeah. mean, that has all the makings of 10 and 7, in my opinion. Yeah. And to be honest, I really want to say 11 and 6, but as I always say, it's not easy to win in the NFL, so I'm sure they'll drop one in a lull. But that's a 10 and 7 playoff team, in my opinion. Yeah. So, Good luck. They'll probably come come to Ford Field again, and we're going to have our hands full with another mobile quarterback. Yeah, isn't it crazy that in a year that was seen as kind of a building blocks rebuild year, there's just organizations that somehow still go to the playoffs, even in those years? Don't you just wish you could be a fan of one of those those organizations? Hey, we're about to become one of those organizations. Let's hope so. <laughs> um, I'm not really sure we are. Uh, I think it's probably unanimous here. Game of the week? Yeah. Uh, I think there's two you could argue. I have Seattle Dallas. Yeah, I didn't, I actually didn't have that. I was just looking at the Sunday games. Okay. Um, I had Texans Broncos. All right. Well, I guess I'll go Seattle Dallas quickly just because it's kind of a little farther away in our minds. Um, hell of a game. Um, Geno Smith kind of put on a, I don't want to say vintage, but he put on a show. DK Metcalf put on a show. I mean, he had one of those Randy Moss stat lines where it's like, 
three catches, three touchdowns, 800 yards on three catches. It was, it was outrageous. Now, obviously I'm exaggerating, but DK Metcalf was crazy. Um, huge game. And I don't want to say shouldn't have, or shouldn't have been expected, but I did kind of assume Dallas would run away with it. I did not think Seattle could put up that good of a fight. I mean, we've talked about how Geno's kind of fading and fading and fading consistently since that start of the season last year he had. And he stayed, he stayed in lockstep with this with this Dallas high-powered offense, back and forth all game, super fun to watch. Um, Dallas goes to nine and three. With the Eagles losing this past week, Dallas has every right to feel like they can win that division now. So, yep. should should be interesting. Yeah, I think Dallas is every bit of, every bit as uh, in that hunt for the one seed. Obviously, they're in the yep. top four team in the league of their. It's kind of a league of their own at the top four record wise. Although I will argue that one team looks a little different than the other three. Uh, yeah. But my game was the Houston Texans and the Denver Broncos, twenty two seventeen. Russell Wilson takes him down the field. He's so back to get above five to get two games above five hundred. Great drive at the end. Gets the fourth down. What does he do? interception same old russ last drive touchdowns in the end zone or interceptions in the end zone hell is old as time yes i'm calling out his uh butler interception in the super bowl sorry russ not sorry i hate the broncos still um they're gonna be okay they're every bit in the hunt of this houston looks great that's a scrappy win for them um in a game where i don't think the offense was necessarily at its highest point um, they lose, do lose Tank Dell for the season. That's a huge loss. That is for them. massive. Um, but yeah, I think they're a playoff team. They're gonna make the playoffs. They're fun. CJ Stroud is fun. And I'm gonna throw in this because I saw on DraftKings today that Brock Purdy is the betting pay- favorite for the MVP right now. CJ Stroud needs to be in that conversation. Yeah, I think he is in the conversation. He's probably on the fringes of the top five. Um, the MVP in. I mean, Brock Purdy's game against the Eagles, I mean, we'll just quickly talk about it. He was sensational. Yeah. Um, I, I I still don't know how to feel about Brock Purdy because he's he plays very well, and it's it's clear that it's it's no longer just a hey man, like like he's better than what Jimmy Garoppolo was. And right, but to give him an MVP. Exactly. That's the thing is I, I still can't support him winning an MVP, but Brock Purdy's playing very good football. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think we'll probably get into that later in the season of the NFL. But the Lions, we want to talk about them. Yep. Uh, Lions get another win. Move to 9-3, 33-28 over the New Orleans Saints in New Orleans. I guess you could call it the phew. That was close game. Uh, after a, a great start, they go up 21 nothing. like I don't know, six minutes into the game, seven minutes into the game. If that, um, and then are just kind of able to scratch and claw and fight their fight off a New Orleans New Orleans comeback. Sorry, I had a stroke there. Um, and get the 33 to 28 win. Another week, another week of me questioning this defense. That's all that's pretty much all I have to say. The offense is electric, they're gonna beat pretty much everybody. That's not better than them, I guess, is is if that's a way of putting it. Like teams that are worse than them, their offense is good enough to run away with games. However, this defense is not good. It's bad. There are holes on every single part of this field, uh, the, the field. 
the front seven, the secondary, everywhere there's holes. I have no confidence in this team. I don't think they can be any other playoff team at this point, personally. Uh, I am kind of at an all-time low for the season, even after a win. So That's crazy where yeah, we're at. I, I think that is a little bit of a stretch. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and ring the bells and whistle and say it was a good game, because you're right. They went up 21-0 in the first two-and-a-half possessions, and then they just basically treaded water. Um the offense got back on track. Let's, I'll, I'll, I'll give them credit where they, Jared Goff played much better, even though the pocket as the game went on was not always clean. Yeah. It was comfortable. He was okay with stepping forward and making good decisions. There were no turnovers, which is huge after like 18 turnovers in two games. The defense did not get back on track. Now, I understand they got two takeaways, but those were not takeaways. Those were, those were presents. Jawan Johnson forgetting he has opposable thumbs, followed by, I've never seen this, a, a pulling guard knocking the ball out of the quarterback's hand. I've never mm. seen that. So, mm. what, yeah, they had an interception and a fumble recovery. They didn't do anything to earn that. They were in the right place at the right time. They gave up 28 points to James, not James Winston because he's terrible, but they gave up 28 points to Derek Carr. I mean, I, I, I thank God James Winston had to come in and just forget yeah. how to throw a football because – on that last drive when it was, uh, what was it, 31 20 or 33 28, and the Saints have the ball and they, they're kind of driving for a bit. They, I'm pretty sure they got into our, into our territory. And then Jameis Winston just goes, terrible pass, terrible pass, terrible pass, terrible pass, all in a row. It was, it was, I mean, for us, it was yeah. beautiful. For like the state of quarterbacking and the league, it was terrible. He is a joke. Um, he's fun though. Yeah. I mean, he's fun, but. Yeah, on the defensive side, Bruce Irvin came in, and I guess he kind of made a little bit of an impact on the pass rush, which is kind of cool. The rest of the defensive line is a ghost. Aiden Hutchinson is a ghost. Um, no Alex Anzalone, who's probably been our best defensive player all season. I think the linebackers had a decent time uh, without him playing. Cool. I do want to highlight Taysom Hill because – First of all, it's insane how this guy does everything: quarterback, tight end, running back, gunner, kick return. I mean, he's I don't like him, but I'll highlight him. He's the true gadget. But for me, it just gets so annoying anytime he plays because you watch and it's like, put eight dudes in the box, don't play with a safety, and dare him to throw it against you because he's not going to. He does every like, once I, in a while. All right, trust your corner to get a stop. I, I just. I, I hate this notion that Taysom Hill works because it's so it to me just like obvious obviously not this simple but conceptually it's put eight dudes in the box and stop him from running the ball mm. and it seems it should be so easy but he does it every time and he gets yards and it's annoying and I mean on the go going back to the offense I'll highlight Laporta because he's filthy um Sam Laporta yeah, he's good. is a, I think he's the fifth best tight end in football already. Um, as a rookie, he has already become a trusted weapon for golf, where it's, if I'm in trouble, it's, oh, fuck it, Laporta's down there somewhere, he'll catch it. He uses his body so well. The hands are great. The, the yards after contact are great. I mean, honestly, I would make the argument, the only reason I can't put him higher than fifth best tight end in football right now is just because the guys ahead of him, I've seen them do it for multiple years. 
And I'll right. always maintain that I want to see you do it twice before I can really put you with the best of the best. But right. he's sensational. Team did what it needed to do. It's not easy going to the Superdome, even though that looked like the Super Ford Field. There was so much blue in that crowd, and I've always yep. said it blue pops. I get it. But there was a lot of Lions fans down there. It was a lot of fun. Um, get the win. Kind of keep, I don't want to say maybe pace, but they, they keep with it, or they keep the other two teams, Green Bay and Minnesota, kind of a distantly behind them for in yeah. the race for the division. I know we have the two games against Minnesota. Those are obviously going to be important, but as long as they keep winning those other games, they might not even matter by the time we play them. We might have already clinched. So I'm not going to sit here and say I'm at an all-time low with this Lions team the way you I are, am. but I'm certainly not happy with them. I They scare the shit out of me. I agree with you that if we play – Dallas, if we play Philadelphia or if we play San Francisco, we're not playing the same sport as them, and they would probably both race us. I think the way this thing is going is this team is going to be the three seed, and they're going to post a home playoff game against the Dallas Cowboys and lose by 40. That's how this I, season's going to end. I'll only make no matter No matter which way it goes, that's just how it's going to end. Can I make one argument against that? Dallas, if Dallas doesn't win the uh, division, they'll be the five seed and we will not play them. But – Maybe in the second round, maybe in the divisional yeah. round. I my okay. I saw my math is my math was off there. I thought about that this morning. I texted it to a bunch of people that this is how the Lions season is going to end. You're right. So that's probably well. To be fair, yeah. I will, to be fair, they could still host a divisional game and lose to Dallas by forty. It just won't be in the wild card. <laughs> yeah, it would be. Yeah, it'd be the division. It's probably it'll probably we won't know who that six team is going to be because there's there's so many teams there. It's going to be one of what Minnesota, Green Bay, L.A., Seattle for the for those four for the last two spots probably. Yeah, I think I think I mean to be honest, I don't even think Seattle's a lock anymore. No, not at all. I, I, I think with the way the Packers and the Rams are playing, I mean the Vikings are still there. I think those are probably your four teams that are competing for two wild card spots. Yep. Uh, so Lions fans, don't worry because now that I realize that it's just not we wouldn't play the Cowboys in the first round, I'm I'm not freaking out as much anymore. Never mind. Don't need to worry. I still think we could very easily lose four of the last five games to end the season, but that's doomsday. We're not going to actually do that. We burn that bridge when we cross it. Yes, exactly. Um, I I do want to say one thing because we forgot to do it. Uh, the Heisman candidates. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So you want to announce that? Yeah, the uh, the Heisman candidates were announced right before we got on. Uh, not necessarily a shock for three of them: Jaden mm-hmm. Daniels, Bo Nix, and Michael Penix. The fourth one was Marvin Harrison Jr., which I personally disagree with. I think. He wasn't even, I mean, Malik Neighbors was a better receiver than him this year. And the fact that Marvin Harrison Jr. has a Hall of Fame father and is widely regarded as the, the best receiver prospect in a very long time is, I think, the reason he's in this position. Not that it matters because it's not like Malik Neighbors had some shot at winning it and like he was snubbed right. or anything. It's always going to go to a quarterback. But I just, I just don't think Marvin Harrison should be there from a personal standpoint. But my note is is uh how many times do you think they get four candidates and only one is in the postseason playoffs? Probably not often. Um no. I mean I'm not 
I mean, I guess if I try and go back, I'm sure it does happen relatively. Because I mean, like you look around, you had you had Lamar Jackson win a Heisman. Um, I think I don't know. If, I don't know if that Kyler. That's Murray like team, the that's like the sole year. Did that Kyler Murray team make the playoff? I don't know if they did. Um, I'm thinking. Like one of did, did both Baker and Kyler make a playoff? I didn't think they did. I thought one of them did. But in any case, Kyler. while you're looking at that, I'll kind of talk about the other quarterbacks. Um, like we talked about a little bit, Bo Nix's campaign probably ended with that second loss, both with Michael Penix, and I think it is a uh, honestly, I don't know which way to to kind of have this go. My personal vote would be for Michael Penix. But I do understand what Jane Daniels has done. I just kind of value winning some of the games that you play in. Really? Oh, so Phoenix is your overall winner. I, I would vote for oh, Michael wow. Phoenix. Like I, I know what Jane Daniels has done. I, I and maybe this is me making this a team stat, but at some point Jaden Daniels was not running around with a BYU team or a Nebraska team. LSU is a football school. LSU has NFL players. You got to win one of those big games. So that's kind of yeah. the reason why I'm going to go against him. I don't think – I'm not saying that it should – if he wins it, it's not going to be bad or outrageous or a robbery. I just would personally go with Phoenix. I think I think it's Jaden Daniels and no one else can – like him in a landslide for me personally. And I think it's Bo Nick second actually. Wow. Yeah. I mean, again – in any case, I don't think like this is not something that I feel so strongly on that I'd really debate it. I just personally would go for Phoenix, but yeah. I I see the argument. I see the argument. I yeah. see the argument for all three. Um, in I'm gonna case, put my devil's advocate for Jaden Daniels. Sorry, is uh, he had to score 56 points to beat Ole Miss. He had to score 40 points just to stay in the game against them. Yeah, he had the worst defense in the country, and he still managed the nine and three top. 15 team in the country season. Yeah, no, I, I know that's not great in the that team's statistic part of it, and I agree that that should be a portion of the analysis, but it's not the be-all, end-all. At the end of the day, it's the best player, and Jaden Daniels, numbers-wise, eye-test-wise, was the best player in college football. Yeah, I, 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 I can't, like, passionately argue against it, but I, I, I've said what I've said. The only thing that I think that will make me annoyed, and I, this happened in the past, uh, is SEC voters who have Heisman votes tend to screw over co their competition. So the, the case I'll go back to is when Derek Henry won his Heisman in 2015, Christian McCaffrey was objectively the best player in football. But what the SEC voters do is instead of going Henry one, McCaffrey two, to screw over McCaffrey, they drop him down to five so he doesn't get enough points because obviously they take all of it. Yeah, and I could not that this means it again. It's not going to be a robbery if it happens. I could just see some of them saying, "You know what, Jane Daniels won. If we think Michael Penix is the biggest shot against him, we'll drop him down. If we think Bo Nix is a legit shot, we'll drop him down. And you know what, Marvin Harrison, for the sake of getting our boy the Heisman, you're now the second best player in football. A lot. I know a lot of them do that, and it's annoying that that happens. Again, it cost McCaffrey a Heisman, and McCaffrey was objectively better than Derrick Henry that year. I won't go as far to say that's what would happen if Jane Daniels wins it this year, but I know it is a storyline that the Southern voters love to do. Right. I I don't necessarily think like to me the like whoever comes in second and third is like completely new doesn't matter. Point. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I'm just like that. That's what they do because again, they take the overall points, and it's like, oh my god, Jane Daniels had so many first place votes. It's like, yeah, well, while the rest of the country was still voting him second because they, you know what, they said, you know what, maybe he was the second best in America. All the ones in the South were kind of getting his competition and shooting him in the in the knees. But that's why you should just. I think the easy fix to that is you just only vote have for first him. place votes. Yeah. I agree. I can actually completely agree with that. Who's gonna win? This guy. Okay. Yeah. And you make a proof. Who gives a shit? There's no trophy for second place in the high school. Right. There's no there's no patch you can put on your jersey that says I played in the Rose Bowl or the Rose Heisman. I, I agree with you. First place, go. We're not ranking it, it, it's it's uh, we're not ranking the top 25 teams in the country. Like you know what I mean? It's, yeah, uh, completely it's just agree. a one person award. Why do we need uh, completely agree? That like we just said, second place is moot anyways. No one remembers who comes in second place. So why the fuck do we care and have a vote for second place? <laughs> that that's completely valid. Um I've I've kind of tapped out. I don't have any other topics. I think this was a nice longer episode. We probably crossed the hour threshold. Like I said, this was one of the more anticipated ones I had with just kind of the level of football that was played, the importance of the games, and then obviously the the college football playoff decision. Um, I don't really have anything further. Um, I'll turn it over to you. No. Um, Michigan State basketball starts Big Ten play tomorrow or today when you're listening. So good luck to them, Wisconsin on the clock. As always for myself, go Lions. I don't got anything. Just be a good person this week, everyone.